Well, good morning, Castleton Church family. It's been a while since we've seen each other this way. Um, if I would have had my way, we would never have this situation again, and yet here we are. Um, in God's providence, I'm thankful for technology, uh, because this week my family has been dealing with COVID-19. Thankfully, it's been a mild case, and everyone will recover shortly, but if you're seeing this video, it's because um, I'm not able to be with you for our Sunday gathering. And, uh, but I did want to, for us to keep our momentum going in our series, Life After Death. And so using the magic of technology, we're going to do just that with the Lord's help. Looking at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58, and the promised resurrection bodies that will be ours. Uh, would you join me just a brief word of prayer? Father, um, thank you that we do have the ability to use these bodies and the limited strength they have for your glory and to do labor that is worthwhile and of value. Uh, this morning, would you use even this videotaped sermon to work in our hearts uh, a confidence that this promise will truly be ours if we are in Christ Jesus. Use me now to preach your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a industry that's something straight out of a science fiction novel. It's called cryogenic sleep. Uh, the idea is for the low, low price of about $30,000, at least initially, uh, you can turn yourself into a human popsicle. Uh, you can have yourself frozen the moment you were about to die. Uh, the idea is that if you could prevent the body from further decaying by dropping it to very, very low temperatures using liquid nitrogen, uh, that one day you could thaw that person's sickle out after medical technology has advanced to the point where whatever disease would have formerly killed them can be cured. Uh, one person that was interviewed in an article I read uh, described it as this. It's like uh, taking an ambulance ride to a hospital in the future that you're not actually even sure is really there. I think it's telling how much of a leap of faith people will take for the very, very slim chance that they might be able to extend their lives through means of untested, unproven technology. Uh, one person who was interviewed said just as much. He, he'd said that he really enjoys living and if there's even a 1% chance that he could overcome his own death, then that's a chance worth taking. Uh, you see, there's a tragedy woven into every human life, uh, a whisper in the corner of each human heart. Uh, something inside us tells us that we are meant to live forever. And yet sooner or later, all of us will die. Uh, that's why so badly we need to know what comes after this mortal life. Uh, what happens when our journey through the twists and turns of this mortal body and past the dark waters of death? What awaits us in eternity and a life forever with Jesus? Uh, last week, we looked at the concept of present heaven. The reality that when a Christian dies, uh, they are immediately brought into the presence of the Lord Jesus at home in heaven where God and his angels live. 
But as wonderful as present heaven is, it's not our final destination. It's not our eternal home. No, that is for a place that author Randy Alcorn calls future heaven. Uh, a renewed heaven, a renewed earth, uh, a place where heaven and earth have actually been brought together under the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. But to be ready for future heaven, something has to happen to us. We have to have our bodies transformed into a state that is fit to inherit forever with Jesus. Uh, that's what we see this morning from 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. Uh, a promise that something is coming for us. A change that will allow us to inherit this world to come. As we study it together, we'll learn this truth. Our future is to have bodies fit for forever with Jesus. As Christians, our future is to have bodies fit for forever with Jesus. Uh, we'll see that as we move through this text in two sections. Uh, first, in 50 through 53, we'll look at our coming makeover. Our coming makeover. And then in 54 through 58, we'll look at our coming victory. Our coming victory. Let's begin in that first section, 50 through 53. Our coming makeover. Uh, the Apostle Paul begins this section by telling us of the problem that needs to be overcome for us to inherit a place in forever heaven. He says it in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the perishable. Maybe you've seen one of those signs out in front of a restaurant no shirt, no shoes, no service. Uh, it's a way of describing that you have to be attired, wearing a certain set of clothes if you are fit to dine in this particular establishment. Now, I don't know if there's an actual sign in front of the new heavens and the new earth, the very kingdom of God that will one day be consummated. Uh, however, it's clear that the only those who are fit for forever in that new heavens and new earth will be allowed entrance. Uh, the problem is that all of us, every single one of us, as we find ourselves on this day uh, living in a weak, mortal, perishable body, ruined by sin, uh, we have bodies that are not fit for that coming kingdom. Paul says it two ways. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. That's uh, the problem. And, and Paul's writing this for a reason. Uh, the Corinthians were, like so many Christians down through the ages, influenced by the culture around them. Uh, that was a Greco-Roman culture, which had certain thoughts about the body and our souls. Uh, the Greco-Roman world thought of the body as something lesser, uh, dirty, uh, something imprisoning your soul, that at death you were finally freed from that prison, like a jailbreak. You never want to go back to that place. So to be freed from your body in death was actually to enter a better, higher form of living. Well, if you believe that, that means the concept of a resurrection, uh, that one day your dead body will be brought back to life, 
is not only absurd, it's repugnant. Who would ever want to live again in the prison of a body? Now, the Corinthians were beginning to think such thoughts, which is why Paul wrote this whole chapter. Uh, at the beginning of the chapter, verses 1 through 4, he reminds them that the gospel message he had preached to them, uh, the ABCs of Christianity, included the resurrection from the dead. Uh, that Jesus didn't just die to pay the penalty for our sins, but he also rose to redeem our bodies and to secure a resurrection for us one day. If you've been paying attention to your Bible, that this wouldn't be a shock. Uh, it turns out God's plan from the beginning has been for embodied image bearers, people in bodies, to be with him in fellowship forever. Uh, remember, Adam and Eve had, before sin had ruined the world, they had good bodies as they walked with, gar with God in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. That all got messed up by something, though, sin. Uh, with the entrance of the serpent in the garden and the thought that he put into their heads and their rebellion against God, Adam and Eve received the curse upon themselves, their souls, their bodies, and to every one of their descendants that would ever walk the earth. Uh, since then, our bodies are frail, weak, shot through with sin, and destined to return to the dust from which, which we have been formed. Now, if Jesus had died to pay the penalty for our sins, only for, to allow our souls to enter into present heaven, well then, in a sense, the devil would have won a victory over God. God's plan would have been forever thwarted. And in fact, the promised redemption that the prophets had spoken about would have turned out to be a lie. Uh, the Apostle Paul speaks about this, about that if you try and take Christianity without the resurrection, the whole thing falls apart. Look with me, chapter 15, earlier, verses 16 through 19. It says, uh, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. Uh, Paul sees a bodily resurrection of Jesus and a bodily resurrection of all those who are in Christ as part of the ABCs of Christianity. You, you can't have a true gospel without it. If the resurrection is just a fairy tale, or if it's just a, a spiritual thought to inspire us, uh, then we Christians are wasting our lives. And in a sense, we should be pitied because we're deluded. Uh, we serve a God who has lied to us and a God so weak that he can't even fulfill his own promises. But the good news is that Christ has come back from the dead. He did conquer over death on his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And his resurrection from the dead is the first of a series of resurrections to come. Uh, the first fruits, like the first uh, pro uh, crop from a giant harvest to come. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection one day.
But what will that resurrection be like? When will we find it? When will it finally be ours? What will the bodies that we receive be like? What will our forever life fit to inherit the kingdom of God be like for eternity? Well, we'll answer a number of those questions in these next few verses. In 51 through 52, we'll see when we'll receive these bodies. When we'll receive these bodies. Uh, The answer is at the last trumpet, when Jesus returns to earth. Verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Paul tells us that there is a mystery, uh, something that was not previously known that God has now revealed to us, uh, that there is a day in the future coming for us when Jesus will return to the earth with the sound of a great trumpet that will bring about the renewal and resurrection of every Christian. Now, we don't have time to get into the ins and outs of all the different questions related to uh, the study of last things, uh, eschatology. So if you have questions of how this fits in with the idea of a rapture or the millennium or, or any of the, uh, those things, the tribulation, um, I, I'm, we're not going to go there this morning. Uh, what is clear, though, is that as the Apostles' Creed uh, states that all Christians down through the ages have believed, uh, that the Jesus who now resides in heaven from there will come to judge the living and the dead. And that day of judgment will include the resurrection of the body. Uh, Now, Paul describes it to us by way of focusing on two different groups. Uh, Those who are still alive, uh, we're told in just a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, uh, faster than when you look into your loved one's face and you notice that beautiful gleam in their eye, in something that's faster than even that, your body will be changed. Every living Christian will find themselves suddenly in a body fit for forever with Jesus. Uh, That word changed implies a transformation, a major makeover. Something big will happen. It'll take you from your current state to a new eternal state. Uh, The second group that's described are those who are dead. They said they also will be raised imperishable. Uh, All the, those who, Christians who have died down through the ages. Uh, At this point, it's already thousands of years of, of believers that have gone to the sleep of the grave will be raised back at the command of Jesus to take up life again. Only they won't come back to the bodies that they formerly had, not not exactly the way they left them anyway. Now instead, they will be given these resurrection bodies. Bodies that are truly theirs, but different. Bodies that are fit to inherit forever with Jesus. So all this will happen on a day in the future, which only the Father knows. Uh, The day when Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead and to bring about this great resurrection. 
But what will it be like? What will these forever bodies fit for the kingdom of God? What will it be like for us to live in them? Well, there's much mystery surrounding uh, what our life in our resurrection bodies will be like. Uh, And yet the things that the Bible does say are truly glorious indeed. Um, I'm going to outline for you six facts about it. Uh, Six facts about what your forever body will be like. And as we go through these, let's let our hearts be filled with wonder and hope. Uh, The first one comes from this uh, verse we've already read. It says that the, verse 53, this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. First thing we can see about it is that it will be your body. Uh, Sometimes we have this idea that kind of like uh, we are piloting a robot and the ghost in the machine, our soul will be transferred out from this robot and into another one that's better. But that's not exactly what Paul says. Uh, No, he says this body that you have, uh, this weak, frail, sin-cursed body, it will put on immortality. Now, what that exactly means, I I can't say for sure. Uh, I I don't know what that putting on will be like, but it does seem to imply that it's still your body, just your body plus immortality and your body plus imperishability. I think there's an analogy that we can draw from the resurrection body we've seen of Jesus. Um, There were times where people didn't recognize Jesus, but there were other times where they did. And that means that there is a good level of continuity between your current body and your body to come. I think we will recognize each other as we walk through the forever world and future heaven. I think you will be able to say that this really is my body, only glorified on that day. It will be a, a, a new resurrected body, but it will still be your body. The second thing, it will also be very different from your current body. Uh, so different that Paul uses a series of analogies in verses 35 through 41 uh, to describe a, a difference that is so big, it's, it's almost unrecognizable at the end of the transformation. So there's both a continuity and a discontinuity. Now, we're not going to read verses 35 through 41 this morning for, for time. I invite you to study it yourself later. Uh, But he uses a series of analogies. I think the most pressing one is that of a seed. Uh, A seed is a type of life. But a seed is meant to be placed into the ground and for the stuff it's made of to break down and to give life to something new that comes out, a continuation of the life of the seed that's very, very different in the life of the plant. It's hard to imagine that a great big oak tree could come from a tiny acorn. And yet, in a sense, there is continuity between the two. So it'll be with our resurrection bodies. They will truly be ours and they'll be recognizable. And yet they will be so different. It'll be like the difference between one of those tiny seeds and one of those giant trees that grows up out of it. 
So it'll be your body. It'll be your body, but very different. Uh, then the next four are going to come from some verses we'll look at together. Uh, came earlier in the passage, verses 42 through 44. It will be an imperishable body. Uh, let me read these three verses. So it is with the resurrection of de the dead. What is sown is, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown, sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Uh, Paul uses four uh, uh, couplets, for, uh, four, uh, it's not this, but it's this, to describe these truths. The, the first one is that it is imperishable. Uh, your body right now is doomed to die. Uh, from the moment you were born, we undergo a process of maturing and aging. Little by little, things stop working. Uh, we start to notice more aches and pains. Our level of energy and strength diminishes until one day we, we return back to the dust from whence we came. Now, to inherit an eternal kingdom, a forever world, you can't inhabit a body that's perishable. You would not be able to last long enough to be able to serve God the way that he intends. Paul tells us, after your heavenly makeover, your body won't perish anymore. It will live forever. Uh, how does that work exactly? Uh, do you still have cells on your skin that shed and die? Uh, I, honestly, I don't know exactly how that works. But one way or the other, your body won't perish. It will live forever. So it'll be fit for a forever kingdom with Jesus. Uh, the next one shows us it will be glorious. Uh, the flip side to glorious is that our current bodies are, in a sense, dishonorable. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that our bodies, as they are, are worthless or should be uh, uh, thrown away like trash. But when you think about day-to-day -day life in your current body, it, aren't there some parts of it that make you a little queasy, some things that you would rather be kept in private about the body which you now live in? You've had that experience where you catch a, your reflection in the mirror first thing in the morning, and what you see frightens yourself for a second. There's something about these bodies that does not reflect the beauty and the glory that will one day be ours. Now, I can't say for sure if our glory, which uh, describes a certain sort of radiance and luminescence, will that mean that we will glow like Jesus did at the transfiguration? Well, maybe. Uh, but for sure, your body, whatever it'll look like, it will be reflecting the beauty of God in a way that is not possible right now, even to the most beautiful one of us in the, our current state. We are headed for a glorious body, a beautiful existence, one fit for a forever kingdom. Fifth, it will be powerful. It will be powerful. Our current bodies are weak. Uh, there are limits to how much work you can do in a day. 
Uh, even if you try your hardest, you can't abstain from sleep forever. Our bodies have many different forms of weaknesses too. We're, we're prone to injury. Uh, we're prone to disease. Our memories aren't perfect. We, all of us forget things. All of this is part of the weakness of our bodies from the very curse back in the garden. Uh, I like the way Charles Barkley described it. He, he was watching a formerly incredibly athletic player in the NBA uh, who wasn't able to reach the former heights of his youth in one particular game. And he quipped, sooner or later, Father Time steps on everyone's neck. Uh, so it is with our earthly bodies. Eventually, we see the reality that they are weak. Uh, and that means there are things that prevent us from serving God even the way we want right now. But one day, it'll be different. Uh, one day, our bodies will never get sick. Uh, one day, they'll never be exhausted. Uh, one day, they will have all the power needed to serve God forever. Now, does that mean you'll be able to swish three-pointers like Steph Curry or run as fast as Usain Bolt or, or even fly uh, like an angel? I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but I do know your body will have everything needed for you to serve God forever in His forever kingdom. It will be a body fit for forever with Jesus because it will be powerful enough to serve God. Final one, number six. It will be spiritual. Now, being spiritual is not to be put at odds with being physical. Uh, th 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 that would undercut Paul's whole argument this entire chapter. He is arguing for the necessity of a bodily resurrection. So what does it mean that this is a spiritual instead of a natural body? Theologians describe it as a body that's animated by the Spirit of God. I was trying to think about how best to explain that. Uh, think about when lunchtime rolls around. Uh, if you're like me, you find yourself with that grumbling sensation in your stomach, maybe the first beginnings of a hunger headache. Maybe you find your patience getting a little shorter and you decide, I better go get a bite to eat. Now, sometimes even without thinking about it, maybe you hop in your car and you drive off to a fast food establishment that maybe deep down you know you shouldn't go to for your body's health, but there's a certain drive, a desire that's leading you to pull up to Panda Express and order that orange chicken plate that you are craving so much if you're like me. Now, in some sense, your life in your body right now even with all the self-control and the grace of the Spirit that we have as Christians, your body is driven by these desires. Uh, you have the need and desire for sleep and for food and to be around other people. These are good, honorable things. And, and yet, if you'd say, what's at the base of us? What, what's driving our desires? At some sense, it's your fallen physical body. Now, what would your life be like if that whole aspect of you was removed and instead it was the Holy Spirit giving you desires every moment of your existence? Uh, none, none of us know fully what that's like. We get glimpses of it. But one day it'll be fully ours 
The Spirit will be driving us to serve God and find joy as we do so forever and ever. We will inherit bodies that are fit for forever, brothers and sisters. And that is good news. Uh, that should fill us with hope and even give us joy as we serve God in the here and now. Wonderful days are ahead for us. Forever to enjoy Jesus and his eternal kingdom and powerful spirit-filled bodies fit for that eternal state. But something else comes along with it. Uh, as we inherit these bodies, we will also find victory. That's what we see in verses 55 through 58. Not just your coming makeover, but your coming victory. Uh, Paul goes on to describe what will come along with the resurrection from the dead and the glorification of our bodies, the defeat of death itself. Read with me in verse 54. Uh, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Uh, Paul, using two Old Testament quotations, looks forward to what will happen on that day when we are given forever life to inherit the forever kingdom of Jesus. Uh, the great enemy of death will be defeated. Uh, it uses two different verses. The first is Isaiah 25, 8. It says, death will be swallowed up in victory. Uh, swallowed up is how you describe a ship that goes beneath the waves. It is swallowed by the water. Uh, swallowed up is what, how you describe what happens to a rabbit when a bear gets a hold of it. It's swallowed up by the strength of that fearsome bear. Uh, so too, the formerly fearsome death will find itself swallowed up in the victory of God that will be ours in Jesus Christ. Uh, the second image is that of mocked powerlessness. It comes from Hosea 13, 14. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Uh, you can think of a fearsome warrior that used to instill fear into his enemies, now locked in chains, being mocked for his lack of power to do anything. Oh, death, where is your victory on this day? You have no more power here. Uh, the second image is that of a scorpion that's lost its ability to use its venom. Uh, you know, the reason we're afraid of scorpions is because they have a stinger at the end of their tail. They use that to stab us and inject us with their painful venom. But if a scorpion has its stinger removed, well, it's basically just a big old grasshopper that can't do much to anyone. Uh, death will be like that. Its great weapon will have been removed from its arsenal. Uh, death will be defanged. The best it will be able to do is to try and gum at you. Never be able to harm anyone again. Verse 58, Paul tells us how this will happen. The, the sting of death is sin. The power of the sin is the law. Uh, the reason the death has had this sting, uh, the reason why it's had this horrible bite. It's because of the reality of sin. 
and the guilt that comes from the law that reveals that sin. But death has been defeated, not in a painless way, but by that sting being removed, by that sting being absorbed by our Lord Jesus. Uh, On the cross, Jesus took the sting of death for us and removed the stinger from the arsenal of death. So even though our mortal bodies, uh, our earthly lives come to an end with death, death doesn't get the last laugh. And one day we will outlive death and watch it and be able to even mock it because the victory of Christ will be fully ours. Friends, you know that that is the reality of death for you. It no longer has the ability to instill that fearful dread that it once did because of what Christ has done. Uh, I was told a story this week about a family that was on a road trip in their trusty family minivan. Uh, While they're driving along at high speed, the uh, unthinkable happened. A busy bee managed to fly in an open window and start terrorizing all the children which each buzzing path, there was another shout, a set of screams from the children, frightened of being stung by that terrible bee. This continued on and on. The parents were powerless to get this bee to exit the van. The shouts were getting louder and louder until the father shouted over everyone else, everyone stop, everyone stop. There's no reason to be afraid anymore. The children shouted, why? And then he showed them his hand with the bee's stinger embedded in it. He said, that buzzing bee can't sting you anymore. There's no reason to be afraid. So it is if you're a Christian. Uh, The stinger of death has already been defeated. And one day you will see death swallowed up forever. Death now is merely a doorway into the life that's waiting you. Uh, A doorway into the presence and your home of heaven with Jesus. And one day, death will be erased from your existence forever. As you take up that forever life in the eternal kingdom of God. And your body fit for forever with Jesus. So this victory is ours. And knowing that changes the way we live. That's how Paul ends this whole chapter on the resurrection, the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. It says in verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always inbounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because we have a promised forever body coming, It means we can labor for the Lord in the here and now, in our weak, frail, perishable bodies that we live in. Uh, If you think about this, uh, there are so many implications for the promise of the resurrection in the life of a Christian. Uh, You know, we live at a time when so many people shy away from the dishonor of death. It's hard to watch someone you love fade away. Uh, It's at times... Too much for even people who love dearly to to bear. Uh, That's why so often we send the old and the frail away to facilities where we don't have to be confronted with the ugly reality of death. Uh, But if you're a Christian, 
then you have the resources needed to be able to, to stand firm, to be steadfast, and not leave the side of someone you love even as you see their body decaying around them. Uh, you know that their bodily death is not the end of their bodily existence. Uh, that though you may watch the person you love turn to dust before your very eyes, uh, that one day you'll see them again whole. And you can hold that hope for that day for all those who die in Christ. I, I once had the privilege of calling on uh, two sisters in the Lord. They had been friends since they were little girls. Uh, one of them had grown up and gone across the oceans to be a missionary, to, to serve Christ for decades in a hard-to-reach area. Uh, near the end of their lives, she had retired and come back, and they had been reunited in person, and that friendship was one of the sweetest things that either of them experienced in this life. But then that missionary sister was diagnosed with ALS. And little by little, she lost her ability to do even basic things in this world. Her friend was her faithful companion. Uh, day by day, she would come and spend time with her. And, and as her friend's needs grew greater, eventually she could, became her caretaker, uh, waiting on her and making sure that she had, it, er, had everything she needed. Uh, by the time I was beginning to make visits, uh, that missionary sister had lost almost everything when it comes to strength in this mortal life. Uh, she couldn't get up and walk around. Uh, she could barely speak. She was fully aware in her mind, and yet her body had betrayed her. There was, there was no strength left. Uh, that was a hard, hard thing for her friend to endure. And after a few months of making visits, I got a phone call one day. Uh, it was her friend, tearful, uh, she said uh, she was, in one sense, glad that her friend's suffering was over. And then she told me this. She said, but pastor, I can't wait to see her whole again one day. Now, do you know that that promise can sustain you through watching someone you love wither and die before your very eyes? Uh, brothers and sisters, there is a forever life in a forever body for the forever kingdom of God. That if you're a Christian, one day will be yours. And for all your Christian loved ones, will one day be theirs as well. So we don't shrink back from death when it comes. Because of the promise of an immortal, immortal imperishable body to come. Uh, a second implication of this is that we should neither think too little of our current bodies or think too much of them. I once saw a video of a monk who every day climbed hundreds and hundreds of feet up a sheer cliff wall, up into a perch where absolutely no one would ever find him. Uh, he would climb up each morning. It would take him about two hours to get to his perch. And then he would sit there without food, with very little water, and he'd meditate, putting off the desires of his body so fully that he thought he would experience true spiritual life. At the end of the day, he would climb back down, eat a little food and sleep and do it over again the next day. Uh, sometimes we have this ascetic view, the, this idea that all the desires of this body because of sin need to be just pushed off. And, and if we just push off enough of them, then we would really be spiritual. But 
brothers and sisters, being severe to our bodies will never produce true godliness. No, remember, God's plan was always to have embodied humans forever with him in fellowship. And though the, the fall has brought us under the curse, there are still good things about our current bodies. They show us reflections of the glory to come. And we are not meant to discard them like trash. They have value. Now, at the same time, I think there's another tendency that many times even Christians have, and that's to think too much of their earthly bodies. Um, there's this uh, movement uh, that has some commendable things about it, trying to find ways to extend life and live in a healthy way. Uh, but sometimes the theology it has about who we are as humans and the problem with our bodies is off. Uh, one time I went to a clinic that promised to help you live a, a healthier, longer life. As they said it, the, the body that God intended for you. As I was sitting in that clinic, I was reading some literature, and it told the story of the Garden of Eden, but I noticed it shifted things slightly. Uh, the problem that entered the world in our bodies, instead of being sin, was instead trans fats and processed foods and lack of natural foods to give us our God-given potential. So you can guess what the conclusion was. It was a new diet, a new way of living to get back to that original design by God. Now there might be some wisdom to, in fact there is wisdom, to being careful what you eat. And some of you may be convinced to to go vegan or avoid processed foods, and that's all fine. Before the Lord, make those decisions. Live as wisely as you can to be a good steward of your body. And yet, as Christians, we should never have the thought, and we should never even give the impression that if we just lived wisely enough, these bodies would be free from weakness, that these bodies would not perish, that these bodies would live forever. Uh, the problem is sin and the effects of sin that have broken this body that God has given us. And we look forward to a day when we are given an imperishable body, free from the effects of sin, a body fit for forever with Jesus. Lastly, we need to be resolved that whatever time we have in our bodies, to use that time for fruitful labor in the Lord. Uh, you know, sometimes the fact that our strength is so limited, and even our time can feel so limited, uh, leads Christians to a sort of despair. Uh, why even give it a shot when it just seems like I'm exhausted after I try even the smallest of ministry efforts? Uh, why even try and build something in the name of Jesus when everything eventually crumbles to dust? Uh, can't God just take care of it without me? But that's not the conclusion that Paul has for us to draw from the promise of a renewal coming in the resurrection from the dead. His purpose was that we would be steadfast, immovable, and that we would know that our labor is not in vain uh, because these bodies wear out and die. But the one we have coming won't. Oh, we go out and we evangelize with all the strength the Lord gives us. 
uh, because this life won't go on forever, but the one coming will. We, before the Lord, use our limited time to invest in eternity, reaching out to our neighbors, telling people about the gospel, and praying for the Lord to use us. Uh, Because we can't take any of our earthly possessions with us, but we have waiting for us innumerable, innumerable riches in the world to come. We use our resources, limited as they may be, including our bodies. Uh, we use them so that the kingdom of God may be uh, as glorious and full as God intends it to be. So brothers and sisters, this week, don't lose heart if you wake up and you feel tired already. Uh, don't lose heart as if you're sharing the gospel and you forget a verse right in the middle of your gospel presentation. Uh, don't lose heart when a ministry that you've loved and invested in comes to an end. Because of the forever that you will have with Jesus. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We are headed for something, brothers and sisters. A a future with a body fit to inherit forever with Jesus. Let that reality fill you with hope and let it animate you to live for Christ in a way you wouldn't be able to before. Missionary John Patton uh, spent his life to try and reach uh, the people in New Guinea, the New Hebrides Islands. Uh, When he had revealed his plan to his elders, what he received was less than encouragement. Uh, Those islands were known to be inhabited by cannibalistic tribes. People had gone there and died trying to reach them already. So one of his elders declared to John, you're foolish to do this. You will be eaten by cannibals. But Patton responded to him, well, maybe that might happen. But think again, brother, pretty soon you're going to die and be eaten by worms. But one day I will receive a resurrection body. And that makes it all worth the risk. It's a labor in the Lord. Our brothers and sisters, I don't know what the Lord will have in front of you. Uh, Maybe he'll have you go try to reach some far off tribe at risk of your mortal life. Or maybe he'll have you be faithful day in and day out with an ordinary sort of Christian life. Whatever it is, your labor for him is not in vain. Because your future is a forever body with Jesus in future heaven. Let's encourage ourselves with this, ourselves with this thought and let's pray together. Oh Jesus, thank you for the reality of our future that's coming. For a renewed world. For forever with you. For glorious bodies. Strong enough. Glorious enough. For us to serve you with joy. Oh Jesus, fill our hearts and minds with these thoughts now. Help us to worship. In your name we pray. Amen.